0: You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, as Chelsea said, we're in a new study. It's going to be nine weeks, so I want to encourage you to turn to Malachi chapter 1. It's the end of the Old Testament, so dated-wise, we're about 430 B.C., Uh, As you came into the sanctuary, you saw the big picture booklets, we would encourage you. Context is king, and it's hard to jump into a book of Malachi, last book in the Old Testament after so much biblical history without knowing the context. We put the big picture booklet together to help you orient yourself to where we are in time and space. And so I titled this series, Keep Yourselves in the Love of God. And I literally borrowed that title from the book of Jude. Uh, There's only one chapter in Jude, but it's verse 20, where Jude gives that directive as we pursue the Lord, keeping yourself in the love of God. One of the great privileges, Pastor Jason certainly would affirm this, is to be a part of uh, people's uh, weddings. When they uh, commit to the Lord, to each other, covenant love, share their vows, and do marital counseling and prepare them for a lifelong covenant love relationship. And so one of the practices I adopted from day one, many years ago, is to encourage people to read a chapter. And I want to highlight a book this morning. The gentleman's name is Mike Mason. This book's been around a while, but it is exceptional. The Mystery of Marriage, one of my favorite uh, books on marriage. And it has a chapter in there on vows that transform my thinking about covenant love relationship, about vows. And so in marital counseling, we always encourage uh, couples to consider writing out their vows and then sharing their vows during the ceremony. When they do that, boy, it's, it gets emotional. It's just real. Ellen and I did that, I'll never forget, 33 years ago. I know Ellen only looks like she's 40, but yeah, we've been married 33 years. And when we shared our vows together, it was one of the most intimate expressions of love uh, between us. The other thing that we chose to do was to frame our vows and uh, put it in our bedroom. And from day one, we have had our vows mounted there. Why? Every time we walk in, this is what we see. It reminds us of covenant love and how important it is. And you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal about covenant love relationships. Number one, I shared with Ellen as part of my vows, I said, honey, uh, some people think love is the glue or the cement that holds a marriage together, right? That seems kind of common sense. Well, love is essential, but I really believe our vows is what holds our marriage together, why? Vows withstand the test of time because marriage can be difficult, right? It's tough to love sometimes. And when you go through those painstaking aspects of marriage, what holds you steady? Your vows, your covenant, right? The old school, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do we part. That was the traditional vows. That's why vows are so important. But secondly, and more importantly, is this God is a covenant initiator and covenant keeping God. Please remember, that's 50,000 feet. If you read Genesis to Revelation, you read a God who initiates covenants and then keeps his covenant. He will never break it. Why? He cannot deny his name. What a remarkable thing. And so, Uh, Six times in the book of Malachi, God is going to reinforce his covenant love relationship. But again, he's been with Israel now for about 1,600 plus years. So this is renewing your vows. This is reengaging the foundation of God choosing Abram all the way through the nation of Israel and then to the church. Six times you're going to see that as we journey through this tiny little book. And so... I want you to think about the book of Malachi like a love letter from God to each one of us. Yes to Israel, very personal, but boy, the truths, the concepts are Genesis to Revelation. It's all-inclusive. So the love letter opens like this. It's on the screen, Malachi 1.1. An oracle, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Notice what God says. Again, they've been in relationship now for about 1,600 plus years. He says, I have loved you, says the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful thing to say to an individual? You know, I talk about my mom all the time, but one of the ways I've chosen to close our conversation, which is daily, is say, Mom, I love you. And she reciprocates. Those are beautiful, beautiful words. I have loved you says the lord friends covenant love is the theme of scripture it's foundational think uh, just for a moment about jeremiah 31:3 jeremiah says i've loved you with an everlasting love it's a beautiful statement Lamentations 3.23, the steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His mercies are new each day. Great is God's faithfulness. You jump to the New Testament, John 3.16, for God so loved, agape the world, put your name there, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinning, what did Christ do? He died for us. That's the demonstration of love. Jesus says there's no greater love than one lay down his life for his friends. And then 1 John 4.19, we love him, why? Because he first loved us. That is the absolute resounding core foundational theme of scripture, covenant love. Now, sadly, look what Israel says, verse two. But you ask How have you loved us? Think about that, folks. This is an intense dialogue between lovers who are in a covenant love relationship. God says, I love you, and the response is, oh, yeah, really, how? Just imagine, 33 years this fall, I come home, it's Friday, and I have this beautiful bouquet of flowers. And I present it to Ellen after 33 years of marriage. I says, honey, I am really looking forward to our weekend away. And her face tightens up with a stern voice. She says to me, as I say to her, I love her. And she says, Oh, really? How have you loved me? That's what's going on in Malachi, guys. And that's not a stretch. God has done so much for his people, and they're questioning his love. And so, here, if you have your connect card, Malachi opens with God's hurt and really the foundation of the uh, book of malachi is god's heart is broken and friends please hear me in the book of malachi everything's at stake why think it through for a moment what's the two great commandments in scripture love the lord your god how With all your heart mind soul and strength what's the second love your neighbor as yourself that is at stake if we don't have a vertical love relationship with god all in how can we love each other bless each other build up each other forgive each other pray for each other it just doesn't happen everything in the christian life is directed vertically love for god first and then the rest flows And so the importance of the book of Malachi is far-reaching, not only for Israel many years ago, but for us today. You're going to see everything going on in 430 B.C. translates to the church today. That's how the Word of God was written. And so what I decided to do, uh, you hear this quite a bit at Westwind, context is king, We can't just dive into Malachi and get it. We can't. We first and foremost have to go back to go forward. We have to understand covenant love relationship. And so I made a conscious decision to set the stage so when we hit those passages on covenant love, you'll understand from Scripture what covenant love is all about. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to study Exodus 19, And I want to invite you to turn there. We're going to look at the first uh, eight verses. So give you a moment to turn there. Exodus 19. I believe this about Exodus 19. If there is a theologically foundational chapter in the Old Testament, it's Exodus 19. Make note of that. It has the Old and New Testament packaged in one chapter. It, it, it allows us to come back to the Old Testament. It allows us to take the Old Covenant and build it into the New Covenant. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter. And so if we understand Exodus 19, covenant love relationship, we'll understand Malachi so much more, why God's calling for a renewal of that covenant. And then, of course, we'll understand our love relationship with God today, right? Revelation 2 have a first love relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So please stand with me. And uh, first three verses, Exodus chapter 19. In the third month, on the same day of the month that the Israelites have left the land of Egypt, they entered the wilderness of Sinai. And they departed from Rephidim. They entered the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. And Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Notice this next verse, so important when you think about covenant love relationship. Moses went up to the mountain. Why? God is high and exalted. So he goes up, he's standing in awe of God, he meets the God of glory on the mountain, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. Can you imagine that intimate relationship between God and his servant Moses? And then God says, this is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. Please be seated. Think it through. God's initiating, right? He designates a place for meeting. Moses is called up. There's a dialogue and interaction. And God says, here are the words my people must know to understand one thing, covenant love and how to live in my love, how to keep yourself in the love of God. So... Please know this Uh, Israel has been in that covenant love relationship for uh, some time. Why? Because that covenant goes back all the way to Genesis chapter 12, where God called Abram to do what? Lever of the Chaldees, people, family, everything to do what? Become a great nation, to have a great name, uh, to inherit a land, Israel, and to create a seed, a seed that would bring forth redemption through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the journey continues from Genesis 12 to Exodus 19. Now, look again at Malachi 1.1. An oracle, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Malachi, please make note of this, is so important. Names matter in the Bible. Malachi means my messenger. And so the question I had to ask is, why is God so intentional throughout all of biblical history to reach out to individuals and directly communicate them, to them, to call them, to uh, give them a word for people? Well, folks, there's one reason and one reason only. God initiates because he wants us to know him to have a love relationship with him. He's the one who reaches out. He's the one who establishes the covenant, and then we have the privilege to walk in it. Thank God that he calls individuals like Abram, Moses, Esther, others, to do his work and his will. Now, I would suggest this, because God knows loving well is hard, He's given us counsel in his word. He's going to give us counsel through Moses, now in Exodus 19. He gives us counsel, instruction, admonition, all the way through the Old Testament. But once again, he's coming to his people in Malachi, and he's coming as just a loving spouse saying, can we get this right? Can we renew the covenant love relationship? God's initiating because he cares now what's going on with israel if you want to know how malachi is written basically right now malachi says that israel's heart has grown cold israel has a half heart if you will and friends i don't know about you but that's one of the great tensions of the christian life i've been a christian over 40 years and i've seen my heart grow cold at times i've seen my love drift I've seen Keith become first and not Christ. Ephesus experienced that. The book of Ephesus closes, chapter 624, to a church that loves Christ with an undying love. One generation later, they have forsaken their first love. It can happen to any of us at any point in time. So God is nurturing this love covenant relationship. And so he cares. He longs to be in that intimate fellowship with us. He wants us to fulfill the two great commandments. And we're going to see in the book of Malachi, our vertical relationship is intimately connected to our horizontal relationship. Love God well, we will love each other well. If loving God well is compromised, it's impossible to love each other well. It's just impossible. And so, where do we go from God's hurt, his heart is broken, Exodus 19, secondly, is all about God's help. Again, he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. He's coming to us to help renew, to keep that covenant love relationship. So look at verse 4. Look what God says. God says, Israel, you have seen what I did. Eyewitnesses in the Bible are very important, we, we see that in the resurrection account. We talk about 11 eyewitnesses. Scripture is always calling on eyewitnesses to report on these spiritual realities. So God is saying, Israel, open your eyes, jockey your memory. Do you remember? That's a great theme in Scripture. Look back to look forward. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to me you know what the most often repeated story in the old testament is the exodus of israel from egypt why it's all about one thing redemption and covenant love that's why this morning's title is redeemed for covenant love you're redeemed and then you enter this love relationship what a beautiful thing now, please hear me on this, because this is remarkable, Exodus 19. Most people don't think in terms of the Old Testament's value, or gospel, or how Christ-centric it is. I want to share this with you. This one verse summarizes God's salvation plan, and don't miss this, for all people, for all places, for all time. That's pretty shocking when people hear that. What? Exodus 19 has the gospel? Yes and amen, and we're going to see the gospel played out here. This is the gospel. This is God's redemption plan. It is a pattern. It is a model. It is a mirror of what God does through Jesus Christ. And that will be so clear as we walk through this. Now, remembrance is a big deal. Why do we celebrate communion in the Lord's Supper? Do this in remembrance of me. The Hebrew worldview was always look back to look forward. If he was faithful here, he can be faithful here and tomorrow. Why? The Lord doesn't change. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. That's the beautiful picture of remembering. And so three things that we can remember just from this one verse. Number one, that God brings us out. And God is saying, Israel, always remember that God brought you out of slavery Friends, Christians, please hear me. If we ever forget the day of our salvation, we are losing a lot. Remember the day of your salvation. Remember the day you bowed the knee to Christ. Remember the day Romans 6, 7, and 8 took place. You went from bondage, a slave to sin, now a slave to righteousness, a child of God filled with the Holy Spirit. Never forget that God redeemed you through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Secondly, Remember this, that God lifts us up. How? Look at the metaphor here. On eagle's wings. On eagle's wings. This is so symbolic, we could spend weeks on the metaphor of eagle's wings, but can I give you three things about God lifting us up on eagle's wings? Do you realize eagles are birds of prey? They're ferocious. You don't want to mess with an eagle. Period. Period. So God uses this picture of how, as an eagle, he came into Egypt. And he rescued his people. He overcame the number one world power of the day. God did it. We stand in awe of him. Secondly, the eagle is a bird of rescue. Some of you who are J.R.R. Tolkien fans, how many out there? Lord of the Rings? Nope, just me, me and Greg. What is it, an old guy's flick or what? I don't know. You guys don't like Tolkien. It's good. I'm out of here, man. No. Caitlin says it's good. How old are you? All right, so good. <laughs> I don't like that. I love some of the scenes in Tolkien, but this is one of my favorites. Do you remember it? They're on the ledge. It's fiery. There's goblins. one of the ugliest creatures ever created in, in cinema, and they're all, like, ready to... <gasps> the eagles are coming. The eagles are coming. Tolkien took that from Scripture. He was a believer. Tolkien was the great influencer of uh, C.S. Lewis. Tolkien mentored Lewis, and then he wrote Chronicles of Narnia. This is the beautiful picture, folks. Rescued! We're redeemed! We're redeemed for what? Covenant love! Way to go, Tolkien. Third, the wings also depict nurture and tender, loving care. Friends, ah... What happened today in Ames, or this weekend in Ames, Iowa, it just rips your heart out, right? It just rips your heart out. And it's devastating anywhere you go across the land and beyond. Hopefully you're still praying for Ukraine and President Zelensky and and that the war will come to an end. I mean, there's so much tragedy today. But there is a nurturing God who likens himself to a mother eagle. Do you realize the, the eaglets? are basically helpless for the first 100 days and mom nurtures some of those nests can weigh up to a ton a thousand two th- how much is a ton two thousand right you with me who cares they don't know <laughs> yeah that's that you learned that way back then uh, we don't we don't talk about tons uh it's two thousand pounds right all right <laughs> i mean this is nurture this is care and what a beautiful thing. Not only does he redeem Israel from Egypt, he's providing manna, water, presence. A pillar of fire, a cloud. He is with them like a mother eaglets with a mother eagle is with the eaglets. What a beautiful beautiful picture. And so, third thing we remember about the exodus from egypt is that god draws us near friends <clears throat> in the old testament you have the mountain and then in the new testament matthew 5 through 7 you have the mountain where the sermon on the mountain was given a mountain a place of majesty a place of glory where god is revealing himself jesus of course preached his greatest sermon matthew 5 through 7 sermon on a mount we, we we stand in awe of it but here god is meeting his people Moses, kind of like the face-to-face, and he comes down, and and the people are at the base, and they're standing in awe, but he's drawing near. Come close. Uh, That's a God who's, yes, he's he's awe, he's transcendent, he's incredible, but he's also very intimate, very intimate. James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and what will he do? He will draw near to you. It's about worship, this covenant love relationship. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. So let me share this with you. I wrote this this past week. It ministered to me, maybe to you. The Exodus was not just about getting Israel out of Egypt. Please hear me. That's important. But it didn't end there. It was about getting Egypt out of Israel. Do you know how much pollution there was in the Israelites from Egypt, the pagan lifestyle, the idolatry, the just, ugh, they weren't worshipers of God. So God redeems them out of a place to transform their heart that they, as Egypt gets out of them, they're going to be in this covenant love relationship. And the analogy is true of us, folks. When we come out of the world, when we leave that lifestyle of sin, God begins that sanctifying process to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. What a gift. So, don't think of salvation as an end in itself. It is the beginning of a beautiful process, being like Jesus. There's always more to come, and what is that more? It's God himself. It's worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Now, can I encourage you, and this might be new to you, Exodus, then, is a picture of salvation through Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about that? That's why it's the most often repeated narrative in Scripture. It's a picture, absolutely hands down, of what Jesus Christ has done in the New Testament. There was an alignment between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. This wasn't different than this. There's an absolute joining of the two. And so... Think about your own faith journey this morning. May I ask you? Have you seen God redeem? Redeem you from the pit, Psalm 40. Redeem you from the slavery of sin that so easily besets us? Have you seen God active in your relationships, marriage, children, family, extended family, at work, community? Have you seen God work through ministry to make you more like His Son? Every believer should have the experience that God longed for, for his covenant people. Israel, why? We're in covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ. What a blessing. And so for me, as I studied this past week, I had to ask the question, how then? How then could Israel say, how have you loved us? How could they say that? And then maybe more personally to us, How can we stand back at times saying, how have you loved us, Lord? It doesn't seem like we should, right? Because he's done so much through Israel, through Jesus Christ, at Calvary, through his spirit, through his word. We have so much, the riches and glory of God through Jesus Christ. And yet, could we stand back and say, how have you loved us? Do you know what the number one issue today regarding God's love is? both for the not-yet-Christian and the Christian, the number one issue, do you know what it is? Why we doubt God's love? It's the same reason Israel doubted God's love. The hurt, the pain, the struggle, the suffering, the trials of life. We're going to unpack that more next week, but Israel went through so much, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, this and that, and they just kind of threw their hands up, Ugh. How you loved us and god's going to remind them how he loved us but what about you and me folks i know this absolutely right now there's a lot of hurt a lot of struggle a lot of challenge in all of our lives right and sometimes the trial the pain the hurt the suffering the doubt we have these expectations on god and he doesn't come through and we doubt his love if that's you today, we sympathize with that because life is tough. But boy, let's be reminded of his love for us through Jesus. And we'll address that a little bit more next week. So, track with me. So far we have seen God's hurt. Why? Covenant love is being compromised. We've seen God help. What does he do? He redeems, he rescues, he causes people to remember what I've done for you. You've come out of slavery. I- I've made you a slave to righteousness. Now we're going to take a closer look at God's heart. Please don't miss this. I think you would agree with me, every covenant relationship comes with promises and expectations, right? When we enter into marriage, that's what it is, right? Hey, Ellen, I promise you this. And, of course, there's some expectations. My number one expectations, because I saw divorce, was just be faithful, just hang in there through thick and thin. I think that's valid. That's what happens in making a marriage last, making a covenant for a lifetime, sharing with each other your vows. The same that's true with us as people, husband and wife, is true with God. So God redeems them. He enters into this covenant relationship, and then what does he do? He unpacks the boundaries the healthy expectations. Thank God he gives us clarity of what he expects. And so we turn to verses 5 and 6. Track with me, please. God says, Now if you'll listen to me and carefully keep my covenant, and you'll be my possessions out of all the peoples, although all the earth is mine, you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nations. These are the words you are to say, Moses, to the Israelites. And so God's calling them to covenant. He says, this is my covenant. Yes, I initiated an unconditional covenant with Abraham. That will happen. The seed of Abraham will bring blessing to all nations. This now, my dear friends, don't miss it, is a conditional covenant. If you're taking notes, you've got to know this. In other words, the conditional clause, if you'll do this, this is what's going to result. Don't miss that. If you do, you miss What's going on here? Now please hear me. This is the first time you see the conditional relational covenant uh, uh, dynamics with Israel. Everything prior to Exodus 19 was covenant by faith. Remember Abram? Genesis 12, Genesis 15. And Abram believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. It was a covenant of faith. Yes, I believe. Now it's a covenant of lifestyle. It's a covenant of love. It's a covenant of intimacy. I redeemed you for fellowship, worship, a covenant love first love relationship and so how remarkable and so as we move through um, this passage we got to remember what came first please hear me this is so important what came first the exodus came first redemption from slavery and bondage came first for the christian redemption from sin and slavery. In other words, what happened, Israel apply the blood of the lamb to your doorposts and what will happen? The angel of death will pass over. Exodus 19 is written to a redeemed people, a saved people. They're already in God. Now as a redeemed people, he's calling them to the standards of a covenant love relationship. So, how about the Christian? There's so much we could say about this, but I want to show you one verse because the parallel from Israel to the church to Christians is absolutely the same. It's a mirror image. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Often we memorize Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Track with me. It's on the screen. Here's what Paul says. For you are saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves, it is a gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are His creation, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. What comes first in our relationship with God through Christ? We are saved how? Talk to me. By, yeah, through faith in who? jesus christ same thing with israel how were they saved they were saved by god's grace through faith in the means that he provided right moses the leader going through the red sea into the wilderness god redeemed them and just like israel calls them into covenant love look at us verse 10 it's just one of dozens of verses for we church are in a covenant love relationship we are his workmanship created in christ jesus to do what to do good works, which starts with a love relationship with God and then the second great commandment, love our neighbor as ourself, which God foreordained in eternity past that we would walk in them. We are who we are today. We can live fruitful lives today. Why? We're in Christ. Israel could say yes to covenant love relationship. Why? They were redeemed. Redemption always precedes the lifestyle of covenant relationship. Please don't miss that. Now let me give you just the flip side of the coin. Just imagine God meets with Moses and God says to Moses, hey, here's the deal. If Israel will keep every one of the 613 commands, if every day they'll get up and list the 10 commandments and check them off perfectly, guess what Moses I'm going to do for Israel? They're going to be special to me. I'll enter into a covenant love relationship with them there'll be a holy priesthood to me. Folks, he didn't say that. Why? He couldn't say that. Israel could never keep the standards, the 613 laws or the 10 commandments. And you know what's true of Israel is also true of us. The apostle Paul learned that the hard way. He said, man, I tried. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was zealous for the law. I went all in. Philippians 3, I counted all but rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. That's the gospel. Put away our good works, our efforts, our performance, our doing. Why? We can't do it. And so God does something for Israel and for us. He redeems us through the blood, right? Sacrificial lamb, through the blood, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That is the gospel. And what a joy. And so as a lover... God expresses his heart towards Israel as a prized possession, establishing a covenant. As a lover, God does the same for us. I've saved you by my grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift, never forget that. The word for gift is grace. Why? So we would live in covenant love relationship. Now, we've we've seen God's hurt, his heart's broken. We've seen God help, God to the rescue. What was the third point? We've seen God's heart. He's passionate for this relationship. We're going to close with God's hope, and we wrap up here. God's hope. Look at verses 7 and 8. This is striking, and this is the gospel. This will be, hopefully, the aha moment for all of us. Let's close here. After Moses came back, he, some of the elders of the people, set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. Then all the people responded, we will do all that the Lord has spoken. So Moses brought the people's word back to the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Did Israel do all that the Lord had spoken? Folks, it wasn't days till they were grumbling and complaining. It wasn't days till there was a train wreck spiritually. Do you know what is built into Exodus 19? The gospel. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're all in, Lord. And two days later, the train wrecks it's impossible to do what israel said they would do and you know what that suggests if it's impossible for israel if it's impossible for us there must be another way you know what that other way is salvation through jesus christ our lord you know what is in eight in exodus 19 the gospel this passage is pointing to Jesus Christ, the Messiah and Savior. This passage is saying that it's got to be by grace. Why? We all fall short of the glory of God, every one of us. And so the gospel is in eight, looking forward to the Messiah. 2,000 years later, we look back to the Messiah and say, Jesus, thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for doing something uh, for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. Now I want to close. Matthew 5.48, just a reminder, Jesus gave the standard on the Sermon of the Mountain. He says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Anyone here ready to say, count me in, Lord? Be perfect? Anyone want to go into a marriage relationship, say, hey, I'll marry you if you're perfect? I'm the guy. I'm perfect, you can marry me? It doesn't exist. Jesus threw out this standard not to trick us, but to say, guys, there has to be another way. If we can't be perfect, what is it? The gospel of grace. The innocent, sacrificial lamb, unblemished, was shed. The blood was put on the doorpost. The angel passed. Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the innocent, unblemished lamb, sacrificed on behalf of you and me. That's the gospel. That's the gift. Israel looked forward to the Messiah. We look back to the Messiah, and we enter into a covenant love relationship by virtue of what Jesus Christ has done, not what we've done. And so you know what's beautiful right now? You and I are in an unconditional covenant love relationship. Why is it unconditional? Because Christ performed because we couldn't. He accomplished that which was impossible for us. Now let me close with one final thought. We're all covenant breakers. I think we would agree. But here's what God has done through Jesus Christ, Matthew. Do you remember when Matthew wrote this really interesting statement? The Holy Family left Bethlehem. They got a vision. Hey, get out of Dodge. Herod's going to kill you. They go where? To Egypt. Herod the Great dies... They get another vision. They leave Egypt, go back to Nazareth. You know what Matthew 2 says? Out of Egypt I called who? My son. His name is Jesus and Israel. Here's the encouragement this morning Jesus Christ is the new Israel, Jesus Christ is the new Exodus. Jesus Christ came out of Egypt, just like the nation of Israel came out of Egypt. Track with me in Matthew. What happens in Matthew chapter 3? Jesus goes and gets baptized. The Father says, I'm pleased in my son. What happens in the Exodus? The Exodus, they leave Egypt. What's the first stop? The Red Sea. They go through the waters of baptism and find salvation. If you're still not tracking with me matthew 4 after jesus baptism the spirit of god leads jesus where into the wilderness for how long 40 days and 40 nights after israel passes through the red sea their baptism where they led not the short route the long route 40 years the parallels are absolutely remarkable the gospel of exodus the gospel of jesus christ And friends, we rest in that covenant love relationship through what Jesus Christ, our Savior and Messiah, has done. Now, as we go into the book of Malachi, everything Malachi is encouraging God's people for, we can embrace why we're in covenant love through Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, have you put your faith and trust in Christ? Have you experienced his grace? For by grace you're saved, not of your works, so you don't boast. Have you been baptized as a believer? First thing, obedience of faith. And when you go through the wilderness experiences, are you experiencing his presence, his power, his peace? That is the gospel, my dear friends. Pray with me. I want to invite Greg Argonbright to come forward. And Greg, if you could grab that mic, please. Pray with me, please. Father, we stand in awe of you. What a beautiful, beautiful truth, Lord, the gospel. From Genesis to Revelation, it's it's always there. Give us eyes to see, hearts, Father, that have received this. Receive your grace by faith to be redeemed for this covenant love relationship. May it be so, Lord. Find us faithful. We want to have Christ today as our first love. We pray in Jesus' name.